This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Pumped up to do this show. I could not wait. Even though I went to bed at 11 and was up at 2.20, I feel as though I slept 12 hours because I'm ready to go because of last night's debate with 11 days until the election. We have a lot to discuss with Herschel Walker in 10 minutes and Brett O'Donnell. If you don't know Brett, he is basically a debate coach to the stars. I uh, he helped 43, Dick Cheney, Gen- uh, Senator McCain, Mitt Romney, uh, Michelle Bachman, Senator Lindsey Graham. So I cannot wait to get his take on what Donald Trump did last night, which I thought was pretty strong. Joe Biden wasn't terrible. The wheels didn't come off. But, man, there were some struggling times. And what he said, I also think, will not pass the stress test. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10%. Held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. Uh, There you go. That is Tony Bobolinsky. He is a hunter. Well, Hunter, the heat is on. It's turning up on your former partner, and he is doing the, uh, he's the Bunsen burner. He's 37 years old. He's a Marine. He comes out with facts, emails, text messages, and he links Hunter, Joe's brother, and the big guy, also known as the chairman, Joe. What we now know and why so many media outlets skip the presser that might just take the Bidens down. Number two. Let Biden hang himself with his own liberal, typical politician words. And that's what the president did very artfully tonight. Ari Fleischer, I'll pay some expan- uh, play you some expanded analysis because it's important. He's as good as he gets. Uh, analyzing the Belmont Bash. What scored? What didn't score? And who has a lot of explaining to do today? And I want to get your takeaways. After all, you watched, we watched. You probably have a lot to say. Number one. I'm the least racist person in this room. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. Abraham Lincoln, where did that come in? I mean, you said you're Abraham that, Lincoln. No, no, where did that? No, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln. He doesn't even know they were trying to, uh, Joe Biden's trying to take a shot and it would not be absorbed by the president. 11 days till D-Day. And last night was the final debate. We learned a lot. The moderator was good. The topics were terrible and the performance was strong. Trump, Trump was simply better. Not what happens now. What happens next? I can tell you what happens next. Trump goes back to doing two or three events a day. He's doing two today. He's going to the villages. He's going to Pennsylvania. He's going to Ohio. He's going to three today. My bad. And get, uh, let me take a look at Joe Biden's schedule. He is in a place called Delaware doing a virtual event. What happened last night, and it's going to take the Trump, uh, the Biden team, maybe a day to understand it. Biden's going to have to work for this. 
He can't sit. He can't be salted away and just play out the string. And that's why he was seen checking his watch. Not George Bush. I don't want to be here. Uh, how much longer do I have to be here? Because all I have to do is not drop the ball. And he thinks he won. The polls make him think he won, just like Hillary thought she won. But he has used the pandemic to hide his bad points, to hide his faults, to hide the fact that he doesn't have answers. And when it comes to defending the Obama administration, there are places where he just can't. Now, for uh, Kristen Welker, she was better than I thought. I thank you for not making the faces of disdain that Leslie Stahl does and others do. Um, Savannah Guthrie, when they're in the president's uh, presence. But she did interrupt way too much, and so many times she could have just let it go, and it wouldn't have ended up down the rabbit hole that Chris Wallace has did. Trust me. Because I think they both learned that they both lost by doing that. I mean, it was Joe Biden calling the president a clown. Tell him to shut up. He did not look good after that debate. Everyone's focusing on the president, who had a little bit of an attitude in the first debate. He's ticked off because the guy's lying about him all the time. But what we didn't get from that debate bothers me. We didn't get an expanded drill down on court packing. We didn't get a look at the economic plans and what that would do. Trump could kill for that. All he got was... Minimum wage, which matters a lot because it can't be the same wage in all states. This is why you can't have the same rates for apartments and houses in all states. This is why taxes aren't the same in all states. You can't tell someone in Alabama to pay somebody the same they're getting in New York City. Number two, number three is foreign policy. My goodness. How can you have two 90 minutes debates and not have foreign policy questions? To me, it was terrible. And civil unrest. What's causing it? Why haven't you spoken about it? And what do you mean about police reform? You really think police reform is shooting people in the leg? Is there a stupidest thing, stupider thing said? And again, we're talking about climate change. I get it. You want to get back, back in the Paris Accord. You know it's going to cost us money. I actually think Trump killed it on climate change much better than I thought. Really looked into it. But retrofitting buildings, getting rid of oil and gas, not really a good move. But that's exactly what Joe Biden said. Here is uh, Donald Trump yesterday calling about calling out uh, calling out Joe Biden, but calling out Joe Biden in a way uh, not so much. And I'm going to get to Hunter's emails in a second, but calling him out on the coronavirus because everything Joe Biden says we should do, we're already doing. He's got no plans. Cut seven. Then he gets out of the hospital and he talks about where this is. Don't worry. It's all going to be over soon. Come on. There's not another serious scientist in the world who thinks it's going to be over soon. President Trump, your reaction? I say over soon. I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. He has the, <laughs> he has the ability to lock himself up. I don't know. He's obviously made a lot of money someplace, but he has this thing about living in a basement. People can't do that. And that is such a great point. What he's trying to say is, I can't, I can't be president and walk around and not meet anybody, not greet anybody, not interact with people. Could the president have worn masks early? But nobody was wearing a mask early. What he's trying to say is the schools and hospitals and the businesses have to learn to live with it responsibly, knowing what the science says. But if the science says lock up, 
We should not do that again. And that's what this guy wants to do, hiding behind, responsible, and saying, I don't want anyone to die. Nobody wants anyone to die. I don't want anyone to get hit by a car. They will. I don't want people to um, uh, have uh, boating accidents. They will. I don't want people to uh, get a disease they can't recover from. But sadly, they will. But you can't walk around being afraid of all those things. Since when have we done that? Cut eight. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter, and he has no clear plan and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. President Trump, your reaction, he says you have no plan. I don't think we're going to have a dark winter at all. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease, which we didn't at the beginning. Learning to live with it. Come on. We're dying with it because he's never said, you said it's dangerous. Okay. People are dying, 200,000 per capita. We're not among the leaders. Number two, if you just look around the world, they're all dealing with second waves. We haven't got hit with a second wave yet, but cases are going up. Hospitalizations are going up, but not in proportion that they were over the summer. We're getting better at it. We're not going on ventilators for the most part. And we're getting remdesivir just got green-lighted as a therapeutic. We got four companies at least, major international companies, uh, closing in on a vaccine. In the meantime, we got to work. We have to work. We have to finance our defense. We've got to finance our cities. We've got to finance our, our civil institutions. We don't have a choice. we just got to be smart about it. If you're a senior coming off a heart attack, am I talking to you? No. And the president's going to emphasize that today at the villages. So the president also leveled on Dr. Fauci. Cut 10. I'm listening to all of them, including Anthony. I get along very well with Anthony. But he did say, don't wear masks. He did say, as you know, this is not going to be a problem. Uh, I think he's a Democrat, but that's okay. He said, this is not going to be a problem. We are not going to have a problem at all. When Joe says that I said... Anthony Fauci said, and others, and many others, and I'm not knocking him a lot. Nobody knew. Look, nobody knew what this thing was. Nobody knew where it was coming from, what it was. We've learned a lot. So uh, a few things on this. Anthony Fauci came out in the beginning and said it's not going to be a problem. How do I know? Uh, John uh, Castamatidis' podcast. And he said it over and over again through February. It's not going to be a problem here. I don't, I don't foresee it being a big problem here. We have the cut. We could even play it. And then a little bit later, they say, what about wearing a mask? A mask isn't really going to help you. It'll give you a false sense of security that because you're wearing a mask, you're going to be okay. And I don't really want to relay that. Okay. Then they told us over and over again, you can catch it from surfaces. Then you can't. It's aerosolized. It's going through the air. Then it isn't. I'm not judging them. But I, if I'm the president, I can't listen to a leading scientist that doesn't know what this is because China hasn't leveled with us. Somehow, this became Donald Trump's problem when it's already destroyed Italy and coming back, France and coming back, the U.K., the worst of all of Europe and coming back. Australia got hit twice already. Canada seems OK, but they are experiencing another wave and they're a lot dense, less dense than we are. We're looking at cities that reacted, got bent the curve to the to zero, and destroyed themselves in the process. If you're the president, that is not an answer. The cure can't be worse than disease. And the more you think about it, think about what he said to Bob Woodward that everyone thought was a big deal. I never thought it was, and here's why. I think there were 19 terror attack attempts since 9-11 under Ray Kelly's reign. 19, maybe more. But let's just say 19. How many do we know about? Maybe two? Why? 
They want to panic us. Does that mean he doesn't like us? Does that mean that he doesn't trust us? No. He said it does no good for people to walk around New York City thinking the next manhole cover is going to blow up and kill him. The next subway is going to derail and you're going to die. He, they think they can handle it on their own. So I say to the guys, the country, we got a disease coming. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to get up with a test. CDC didn't really come up with a test yet. But I don't want to destroy the country and destroy everybody's lifestyle from the college kid to the grammar school kid uh, to the 60-year-old hoping to get to a pension. So he told everybody, told the people behind the scenes it's real serious. And behind the scene in front of the camera, he says, we're going to beat it. That's not bad leadership. You might not like the leadership, but it's leadership. When did Joe Biden drop the ball? For him. not For us, it's great because we find out what he's going to do. A lot of you people out there, the younger ones especially, if the stats are correct and the pie charts work, younger people are more into climate change. You think the world's going to break and Earth is going to crack. All right. So you love the topic of climate change, and you want to get rid of oil and gas. I don't, because I know millions of people work in that industry, and I know we now have greater national security because we don't need anybody. And I think that's why we're seeing so much peace in the Middle East these days. So Joe Biden came out and said this. He said this about oil, and the president was smart enough for saying it. Cut 17. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and that's maybe the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically, what he's saying question. is he is Mr. going President? to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that, Texas? Will you okay. remember that, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President Biden, let me give you ten seconds to respond, Ohio. and then I. And he did, and he responded and said, "I am." Good luck. When we come back, Herschel Walker on the topic of race yesterday and so much more. And then we go at the bottom of the hour to Brett O'Donnell, debate coach to the source. It's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. 
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. They can say anything. I mean, they can say anything. It's a very, it makes me sad because I am, I, I am the least racist person. I can't even see the audience because it's so dark, but I don't care who's in the audience. I'm the least racist person in this room. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. Well, where do you stand, Herschel Walker, former NCAA Heisman Trophy winner and outstanding running back in the NFL, who also became a UFC fighter just for fun? Uh, Herschel, welcome back. Who is right? Well, Donald Trump is right, because I'm going to tell you something that a lot of people don't know. They'll be totally shocked with what he's done, that people don't even know what he's done for African-American. I'm not just talking about just the the, the the opportunity zones and historical black colleges, but things he's done outside of that. You know, people don't realize, you know, he got an award from Jesse Jackson, way, like in the 80s. You know, the things he's done that people don't know with his, his, his golf club down in, in Florida. And last night I noticed something, and, and I'm going to say this, and it may get you kicked off the air, Brian, so don't get mad at me. But as I was watching Joe Biden speak last night, I don't even think Joe Biden even realized uh, anything about African Americans. And let me tell you the reason why. You know, he made that statement that you ain't black if you don't vote for me. I think somebody told him that. And the reason I say that is uh, I think the Democratic Party just assumed African Americans going to vote for him. Because I don't even know if Joe Biden even have a relationship with an African-American person. I don't even think he have a relationship with a, a person of color. And the reason I said it, because he always mentioned Barack Obama is his friend. But yet he threw him under the bus last night. Because remember, when he got caught, he said, well, I'll be president this time. When he got caught that he was, he was not doing his job, Barack Obama went and thrown under the bus. And the only time he mentioned Barack Obama when he gets in trouble, that he mentioned that he got a black friend. Well, what's funny is I've been friends with Donald Trump a lot longer than uh, Joe Biden been friends with Barack Obama, and not one time has Donald Trump ever asked me to speak for him. Not one time. I volunteered to speak for him because I saw people not telling the truth about him. And that's what you call a friend. You call a friend that don't ask for favors from you. He didn't ever ask me to speak for him. I did it because I saw people not telling the truth. And people still talking about it. But I think the president might be getting some uh, African-American support among males. Listen to Charlemagne uh, the God on the morning show the other day. When it comes to those black people you say you see who may be, you know, showing support for Trump, I just think, you know, it's because Trump is actually talking to young black male voters. He's directing ads towards them. They are a group that, you know, never get courted. I mean... And look, he's he's not a huge uh, President Trump fan, but he notices they're trying. And then he says black males never get courted. Well, you know, that, that's 100 percent correct. But i tell you something else. And this is one thing I try to tell people about me. I try to listen and I don't get these from anyone else. No campaign is giving me something to say and all this. This is coming from Herschel Walker. I notice uh, if you tell Joe Biden something like that, he's going to say, well, don't vote for me then. That's exactly what he's going to say. And then I watched Buttigieg the other day when he heard that same statement and he, and he started talking about something. He didn't even address that. And I... We just lose him? Yeah, Mayor, he was talking about Mayor Buttigieg. They don't, uh, and he's very dismissive. So it may, it's amazing, too, Mayor Buttigieg. Buttigieg, he is the one who's always sticking up for uh, uh, Joe Biden. He also was mocking Joe Biden. Basically, the time has passed, the ship has sailed, and now he wants to get a job because he's got nowhere to go, 
And now, well, many times before, he becomes a, a surrogate for him. So I, I'm fascinated by the African-American vote, and everybody's taking it for granted. We have him back. Herschel, just want to finish your thought, Mayor Buttigieg? Uh, yeah, well, he made a statement uh, the other day when they asked him this, when he heard that same statement, and he sort of played it off. He didn't even address that statement because, you know, they still considering the older African-American as being the Democratic people that's going to vote for him. What about the young African-American that's starting to educate themselves on policies that see that this policy that the Republican people are offering is much better? Well, they don't want to address that. Well, you got to address it, and they don't want to. And that's what I said. It's so funny. Then when they do address it, it is amazing that the policy yeah. they address is the same policy that President Trump is already doing. I know. Uh, Hershel, like have- yeah, it, it's so true. He's like, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And he said, hey, you, you've been there 47 years. When were you going to start? Herschel Walker, great yeah, to talk to exactly you. Right. When were you going to start doing it? But this is what's so interesting, and this is what I was reading. And th- I think this was in a New York Times. And if you look up the article, it said impeached it. Uh, Herschel, oh, we'll, we'll follow up with you again. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We are talking a lot about struggling small businesses and business owners these days. Do you think this is the right time to ask them to raise the minimum wage? You, of course, support a $15 federal minimum wage. I do, because I think one of the things we're going to have to do is we're going to have to bail them out, too. We should be bailing them out now, those small businesses. You got one in six of them going under. They're not going to be able to make it back. We are going to move Susan, on to immigration, one, one very but quickly, I want to get we your have reaction. To help our small businesses by raising the minimum wage. That's not helping. It's not helping small businesses. Uh, joining us now, did we just kind of fade out there? Uh, Brett O'Donnell, presidential debate coach. Uh, he has been hired by some of the best in business from Bush 43 uh, to Michelle Bachman and Mitt Romney. Uh, Brett, welcome back. Great to be with you, Brian. Brad, I, I really thought the president uh, was – that was the best debate he ever had, period. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I thought the president uh, had his best debate of his political career last night, and he needed it. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the thing that he did was what he needed to do in making it a choice between him and Joe Biden as opposed to just a referendum on himself. He was, he was presidential. Uh, he uh, controlled the stage in almost every facet of the debate. Um, he kept on offense without being offensive. Um, yeah, he had a he had a fantastic debate last night, and he got Joe Biden to make some admissions uh, of which the stuff ads are made of. I mean, uh, his admission on oil and gas, his admission on amnesty for illegal immigrants, uh, uh, his admissions on health care. Over and over again, Biden, I thought, made lots of mistakes. It was Biden who was interrupting. It was Biden who was calling the president names. I, I thought Biden had a very poor debate, and I, I think this debate should help the president. I tell you what, uh, talk about the psychology of thinking you're going to get muted if you go over time. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not so sure that that actually had any meaningful impact on the president. I think the the bigger impact was I'm guessing the president looked at that debate. He talked to folks. 
And and he, you know, it's it's like all incumbents. Incumbents have bad first debates. It's just Reagan did it in '84, uh, Bush did it in uh, 2004, Obama did it in 2012. I just think incumbents uh, don't take that the, the the debates as seriously as they need to. And, and I think the president buckled down, uh, did some real debate prep this time, and it showed. So I want you to hear, you know, I thought Kristen Welker did okay, and I want to get your take. She had 111 interruptions of the president to 22 for Joe Biden. Here's a little of the opportunities lost because of the interruption, in my view, from the moderator. Cut to. To make sure people had the capacity. But you haven't ruled out more shutdowns. No, that is simply not true. We're going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about immigration now. We're we're running out of time, so we got to get on to climate change, please. No fracking and oil on federal land. Let me ask this final question in this section. So a little bit uh, aggressive there where she's not the star. I just want them to finish their sentence and then jump in. Yeah, you know, I, I thought so. I thought she did a fine job, but I still if you notice in the debate, she gave Biden the last word in almost every section. And I thought that was a little unfair. Uh, you know, every time the president would try to close off an argument, she'd always go back to she'd give she'd give the president 10 seconds and she'd give the she'd give Biden uh, uh, 30 seconds to kind of close off an argument. And there were several times where in the debate she basically just saved Biden. For example, when uh, the president was pressing Biden on who built the cages, and he kept asking him that question. I thought that was a really effective moment for the president. And Welker saved Biden by just kind of cut, cutting that off and moving on to the next segment. So, Have you ever seen a cycle without foreign policy? How frustrating was it? That, that's very frustrating, you know, because this this president actually has a very good record on foreign policy. Uh, look what he's done with Iran Look what he's done to keep North Korea in check. Look what he's doing with China. I mean, the guy has taken out more terrorists than any other president, uh, Qasem Soleimani, al-Baghdadi. So this president has a very good record on foreign policy, uh, and not to mention the two giant peace deals with Bahrain and uh, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, so so you know, it's, it's got to be frustrating for the president not to be able to tout his foreign policy uh, credentials um, in any one of the debates. So, Brett, what bothered me is I did not know the moderators pick all these topics. That's way too much power to give a moderator. Why don't we have a debate commission? And then you got to de-conflict. Well, Chris Wallace did that. Chris Wallace did climate change. He did, uh, he did of course, uh, corona. That should probably be in both. Uh, he also did black uh, uh, racism in America. We didn't get foreign policy. We didn't get anything on the courts. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, I think that there's got to be a revisiting of the Commission on Presidential Debates. They have too much power over the debates. Moderators have too much power. Look, these debates belong to the candidates. They're about the candidates and the American people, and they've become too much about moderators and the debate commission. And so I really think both parties should revisit this. There was a project in 2012 in an attempt to try to reform the commission, uh, that did not really work. Uh, I, I think that there's got to be a revisitation of the debate process so that the debates actually uh, are controlled by the campaigns 
right. and that they benefit the American people. So the big risk uh, the first time around when President Trump brought up Hunter Biden and the possible links to his father in these incredible international deals, which he has no experience to get, but he seems to get a ton of money for him, ended up being about addiction. Because he said, well, my son has had problems like many people out there and ended up almost going Joe Biden's way. Tell me if President Trump had a different fate this time. Cut four. All of the emails, the emails, the horrible emails of the kind of money that you were raking in, you and your family. And, Joe, you were vice president when some of this was happening. And it should have never happened. And I think you owe an explanation to the American people. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. The foreign countries are paying you a lot. Russia's paying you a lot. China's paying you a lot. I don't make money from Ukraine. You do. I don't make money from Russia. You made three and a half million dollars, Joe. And your son gave you. They even have a statement that we have to give 10 percent to the big man. You're the big man, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're not. But you're the big man, I think. Your son said we have to give 10 percent to the big man. Joe, what's that all about? It's terrible. They should have answered that. Instead, they say it's Russian misinformation. Brett, uh, Brett, you know it's not Russian information. It was a laptop dropped on, signed off by Hunter and then given over to the FBI. That's not Russian. How is he able to skew that reality? Well, I, I think this is a place actually where the president could have done a little better. First yep. of all, the FBI and the DNI have both said this is not Russia misinformation. So, so he's got independent agencies. I mean, the F, no one has accused the FBI of being uh, a Trump puppet. Uh, you know, the FBI has taken a lot of hits, and they have said this isn't Russia misinformation. But even more importantly, Brian, I, I think the one big thing that the president needed to do is point out why this matters to every family. And, and the reason it matters, by the way, is because Joe Biden will be beholding to China. And, and China will eat our lunch, take our jobs. They've already given us a virus. Somebody's got to hold them accountable. And it's not going to be Joe Biden. Why? Well, because he's been on the dole from China. I mean, he's already said that they're not bad folks, that he doesn't see them as an adversary. And this uh, this instance, the, what's happening with the, the laptop and the emails is demonstrable proof that he won't hold China accountable. And that matters to American families because it matters about jobs. It matters about their personal economy. It matters about their privacy. So so, you know, I, I think the president could have done a little right. better job in this section, but certainly the press, Kristen Welker should have followed up and pressed Biden to answer these questions. Absolutely. And it's so it's amazing when the Marine got up and talked about the Biden deals around 7 o'clock, no network outside Fox covered it. He's been doing business, international business in China, 37 years in the military, talking about Biden possibly getting money and only being interacting face-to-face, saying the president is lying when he said he never can talk to Hunter about his business, lying, the vice president. And that wasn't covered anywhere. Lastly, yeah, just, go ahead. Yeah, just imagine, just imagine, just trade out the name Hunter Biden with Donald Trump Jr. And imagine how differently the media would pursue this story. You know, right. they, they would be nonstop 24 hours. They did try to they try to impeach the president. The, the media has really and, and I don't mean you or Fox News, but I do. I do mean the left wing media. They just won't give this story any credence, credence, and it's uh, it's malfeasance on my part, uh, uh, in my opinion. Oh yeah, no question. When he checked his watch, 
Was that like 41 at all? For me, it's like, this is all I need to do, and then I can go back to my basement. He thinks he won already. What did you think when he stared at his watch? Oh, yeah. I mean, that is just so reminiscent. I wish the media would uh, pound him as much as, as 41 got pounded for, you know, uh, the, the watch look. Because it said, when do, when do I get to get off of the stage? Because I know it's not going very well for me. And so, you know, it, it was uh, it, it was it was the, it, one of those similar moments in the debate where, you know, the candidate is showing that he was feeling the heat and he was ready to go home. Uh, Brad O'Donnell, presidential debate coach with us talking about the president. And you really think he did much better this time. So I think that if this has to be close for Joe Biden to get out of the basement, at which time this thing's going to close up because he's so terrible on the stump, get small crowds, if any. And he's not good at any interaction. He tells people not to vote for him. He yells at them for asking. So they want to keep him away. Do you believe that the president did enough to make this close enough to force Joe Biden out? As you know, for the president, it's going to be in the villages today, then goes to Pensacola today, then goes to Indianapolis, then goes to Swanton, Ohio, and then he goes to West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. That's a guy that wants to win. Joe Biden, one virtual event in Delaware. Well, first, first of all, Last night, you saw the real Joe Biden, and Joe Biden last night was mean and angry. He was name-calling. He interrupted the president, and and he's just not very good on the stump. He makes mistakes, but more importantly than that, he's not the nice guy. He he shatters that image of the nice guy that they've been trying to portray him as. And so, you know, but the big thing that happened last night— is Joe Biden told the states of Texas, yep. Oklahoma, Kansas, North Dakota, uh, 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 Nebraska, you know, all those Midwestern states, Pennsylvania, he told Ohio, he told all of those states, you're going to lose literally millions of jobs if I'm your president. And I, I think that is in itself going to tighten up those states and drive the election toward the president. If, if the campaign utilizes those moments in the way they should. I mean, I'd be I'd have an ad out today highlighting that moment because that alone can, in my opinion, turn the tide of the election. Absolutely. I think it can, especially when the president's going to outwork somebody for events to none. Brett O'Donnell, thanks so much. Thank you. 1-866-408-7669. I know you have a lot to say. You watch what I watched. You stayed up late and watched what I watched. So now it's your turn. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know what, North Korea? We're not in a war. We have a good relationship. You know, people don't understand. Having a good relationship Trump, with leaders of other countries is a good thing. We have a lot of questions to get yes. to. Your response. We had a good relationship with Hitler before he, in fact, invaded Europe, the rest of Europe. Come on. That is one of the low points and one of the, one of the dumbest things you'll ever hear. We never had a good relationship with Hitler Ever, if you're talking about um, uh, if you're talking about Chamberlain, uh, that's one thing. When that was the policy of England to try to make friends with Hitler, uh, we were staying out of it. 
So I don't know what you're talking about. The other thing is, in terms of the facts of the matter, the facts of the matter is strategic patience is what they tried. And strategic patience only allowed them, while everyone was watching, to build up their nuclear arsenal to the point where even Barack Obama told Donald Trump, this is your number one challenge. So that is the situation with uh, him and foreign affairs. Sadly, that was it for foreign affairs, basically. We didn't talk about that Bob Gates said he's been wrong on every major foreign policy decision over the last 40 years. We didn't see that he ignored the red line in Syria and let them use poisonous gas on their people and did nothing. They didn't see that they trumped General Mattis and pulled out troops of Iraq, allowing ISIS to almost take Baghdad. They didn't see when they didn't hear how the Ukraine was carved up by the Russians and this vice president didn't send them anything except blankets and MREs. So right now my screen is down, Allison. I don't know if you want to take any calls. one 408 7669 Let's go to Joe from Boston. Hey, Brian. How you doing this morning? Good. What would you think? Uh, I thought it was spectacular. I thought he was on point all night. I just wanted to bring up one point uh, Joe Biden made. Um, he wants to retrofit 2 million buildings and eliminate fossil fuels in five years. And I work in the trades, and I just want to know how we're going to do that if we can't use our machinery and we can't get back and forth to work and we can't do all those things. How can those two things coexist in this fantasy world that he's trying to create for everybody in this country? I, it's a farce, and I'm, I'm quite tired of hearing about all I that. I mean, yeah, these, these pie-in-the-sky programs are not a, com- are not, they're not a combat effort to stop Donald Trump. Donald Trump says, let's do everything environmentally responsible while also enjoying the fact, for national security purposes primarily, that we are an exporter of oil, that we do not need anybody's oil. Because of the, the ingenuity of the energy industry and those people who have been trying since the 70s to do horizontal fracking have finally got it down, and now we're supposed to give it up. Correct. It's just, it's just sad to see the state that, that they think that they can take this country away from us like that and, and, and drive us in a direction that's going to put us all in poverty. And, and, and no one will be able to survive in, a, in an economy like that because there won't be any work for anybody because you can't have one without the other, unfortunately. Uh, that's what I believe. I think you're 100% right. Appreciate the call. one 408 7669 I thought that uh, President Trump now has the momentum to force Joe Biden out of the basement. He gets out of the basement. Then he starts walking around doing interviews. And after doing some interviews, he will start doing major gaps. And not because he has a stutter, but because... He's not on top of things. How about that? Number two, he said, look at me and decide who is the, who's the person that's better suited for this job. Really, somebody that cheated in law school told everybody he finished top of this class and he was almost dead last at Syracuse Law School. Not exactly Harvard. No offense, Syracuse. And then he goes and plagiarizes a couple of speeches by Neil Kennick from England when he's trying to run for president. His first statement in the ninth, in, when he starts to run in 2008 against Barack Obama was, look at this guy. He's clean. He's articulate. Um, he, he's, uh, he's black. Come on, man. He did that. He basically eliminated himself right away with 1%. And we know that the policies that he had, not only didn't they work, they weren't candid with us. So the, you can keep your plan. If you want to keep your plan, you can keep your policy. If you want to keep your policy, you can keep your doctor. If you want to keep your doctor, that didn't work. And either blame Barack Obama or take credit for it or discredit for it. And if you bring up a public option, 
That is a step towards socialized medicine. Understand? That's why you didn't do it with Obamacare. Biden care would. So understand, it's socialized medicine. A step that direction. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. We have a huge show for you this hour. We're going to be joined by Geraldo Rivera in just a moment. And then Governor Chris Christie uh, in about 35 minutes. And then we'll take your calls in between. I can just imagine what it would be like. I feel so fortunate because I get to do this for a living. But so many people are as into this election cycle as I am. Usually I would be, people would ask me, hey, how's it going? Well, we're doing a lot of politics. Oh, really? How's it going at work? They know. Everybody knows. Everybody was watching that debate last night. Everyone was watching the first debate. Everybody knows about the election cycle, the laptop from Hunter. and the del- I can't believe how many people know exactly what's going on. So, therefore, I want to give time for you to talk about what you observed from last night. Moderator, much more effective. Both, both presidential candidates were much more attentive. And for Donald Trump... I believe it was the best debate he ever had, which was astounding, is that Joe Biden used New York as an example, essentially, of how to handle the coronavirus. Really? We lead the world, I think, in state deaths, read the country in state deaths, and I think per capita anywhere else. And in an effort to bend the curve, we bent it so effectively, we destroyed the entire city. And it stays flat on its back. And what are they using for tax revenue? Waiting for Joe Biden to win so they can get a big check. Don't stop holding your breath, please. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. Former Penn State wrestler turned U.S. Marine Tony Bobolinsky talking yesterday about his partnership with Hunter Biden and the Biden family. Hunter Heat is turning up as his former partner now. Uh, a Marine comes with facts, comes with emails, comes with text messages, and comes with meeting Joe Biden face to face on business deals. Nicknamed the big guy. What are we? What do we now know after watching that debate last night? And why do so many media outlets decide to skip it and mischaracterize it? Number two. Let Biden hang himself with his own liberal, typical politician words. And that's what the president did very artfully tonight. Ari Fleischer, sometimes a hard critic of the president, not last night, analyzing the Belmont bash. Who scored, who didn't, and who has a lot of explaining to do today on what? I want your takeaways of the 90-minute sparring session. Number one. I'm the least racist person in this room. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. Abraham Lincoln, where did that come in? I mean, you said you're Abraham that, Lincoln. No, no, where did that? No, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln. It kind of sucks when somebody's trying to put you down and you're trying to put that person down and he doesn't even understand where you're coming from. It fell flat, Joe. 
11 days until D-Day last night was the last of the debates. We learned a lot. The moderator was good. The topics were terrible. And the performance was strong, especially for the president. Trump was simply better on what. And now I want to know what happens next. Here's what I believe. And I'm going to bring this right to Geraldo. Geraldo, I think the president did good enough. And he was already closing in in Pennsylvania, ahead in Ohio. And one point in the last poll I saw of Northern University of Northern Florida, in Florida, he was up by he was down by one, which which means virtually he's up. I think there was enough there that's going to get Joe Biden forced to actually campaign for this. What do you think? Well, I don't know about what uh, we'll uh, do vis-a-vis Biden getting out of the basement in Delaware, but I I do know, I do feel that the president survived, uh, uh, you know, a a very close uh, near-death experience with, uh, uh, with his candidacy after that first debacle. Whereas I said this morning on Fox and Friends, he was Godzilla. What people want is the rock. They want a strong, tough president, but they don't want someone who's irrational and interrupting and rude and all the rest of it. And I thought that the president, uh, his demeanor, his, uh, his, the substance of his arguments, the admissions he got uh, Biden to make about fracking and the oil uh, industry and so forth, I thought that uh, Joe Biden was really rattled. And I think the reason he was rattled is what you alluded to uh, with, the, uh, with this, the computer and all the rest of of that is uh, the uh, the first time that we see a diminution, a shade, uh, a shadow over Biden and his character argument that he's a uh, you know he's squeaky clean and his family has never profited from his uh, his time in in office. It seems to be coming unraveled if people believe it and uh, if the uh, uh, the various uh, uh, people who hold this evidence release it all to the public, where we can sort it out and make the judgment ourselves, Brian. What we know already is pretty compelling. And what we know already is a laptop was dropped off by Hunter Biden. How do we know? We saw it signed off with his signature. What I would have done is just say, Joe, is this your son's signature? Because please tell me if the Russians forged his name or not. And please tell me, is that his laptop? Yes. Do you know this Delaware repair station? No, I never heard of it. Fine. Do you know that it was given to the FBI on December 13th? Here's the other piece of paper. The FBI signed it out, looked at it. And do you know that these emails, nothing to do with Rudy Giuliani, were out by the guy who owns the place? And it was December in which they were exposed, and they're just coming out now. And now, an hour ago, Joe, a Marine came out and said, I was so disillusioned by the way Hunter was using our investment as his own personal piggy bank. After reading Ron Johnson's report, I had to come out and tell everyone that Joe does, did know all about this venture, and they did meet one-on-one. There's a lot there. But in the, but the response of the other media outlets is that it's a smear campaign. Well, that's the most important point. It is yes, this is damning information potentially. Yes, this will diminish Joe Biden potentially. But if we are only talking to ourselves about it, if it never hits the front page of the New York Times it hasn't. and the Washington Post and the CBS and ABC and NBC evening newscasts, then it's, uh, you know, it's like a tree falling in the forest. Nobody will hear it. No one will see it. And the question is whether in 11 days the conservative media and the Republican Party and the, and the candidacy of Donald Trump can get this information out there so it, it penetrates into the, you know, the people who have not yet voted, uh, you know, do they, so they can understand exactly what is happening here. The president of the United States was impeached uh, on, on phony charges having, uh, 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 you know, tangentially to do with this. 
This is the real Ukraine story, not the one that they went after the president and ruined his, uh, his reputation and put this historic black mark against him. This is real now, but can we get the message out? Can we get the information out so that it sinks in and affects people and their voting brand? Let's hear what the, with ABC, MSNBC, CNN said. Cut six. Talking about the Biden's personal corruption, a little bit about Hunter Biden. Most of those charges unverified. Charges so heinous, I'm not even going to say them. Just nonsense with no evidence, just completely made up. Complete fabrications and falsehoods has very little evidence behind it. The nastiest, ugliest smear campaigns online in the history of American politics, and it's a desperation move. If you didn't follow it closely, you probably don't quite understand what the hit is. But if you're not immersed in right-wing media... And we're cable you, hosts. And we're cable hosts. That's how they covered it. They, they really think there's nothing there. They say it's a smear campaign. They, they, it's the lowest thing ever. You hear Jake Tapper? There's nothing there. He's not curious about a Marine that comes forward. Remember Colonel Vindman? He's to be respected. He served in the military. This guy serves in the military. He comes out, is asked to work with the Bidens sees what he thinks is is poor behavior and waste of money and thinks it's influence peddling, chose to get out, kept his mouth shut until he found out he's been stabbed in the back by these guys. This could be the salvation of the Trump candidacy, but the information has to get out there. And the question is whether uh, we can shout loud enough with enough specifics that it will become uh, not undeniable necessarily, but unavoidable. And if that happens, I think that the president has a chance. Still a long shot, but uh, I, I believe that the polls by the end of today will show him closing the gap. Right? Yeah, I don't know if they'll do an effective snap poll in this. I think it's all going to be advocacy, like CNN did a poll and and Joe Biden did better. And I, someone... don't, I, don't, tr- I don't trust those polls. Right, right, absolutely. So, and, and I think that the president of the United States, all he wants is the door open. And now he's rolling that tape because Joe Biden dared him on fracking. I never said I banned fracking, roll the tape. It rolled in his live event in Pennsylvania the other day. I can't believe Joe Biden missed it. In his, he had audio video for his live audience, the president, on Joe Biden flipping on fracking. Well, I, you know, I, I get it. You get it. The pundits all understand it. The question is whether it will affect the voters. There are, you know, you need to affect the opinion of about 10 million people uh, out there who are going to vote because that, that's the margin in the battleground states particularly. I think in Pennsylvania he, he might eke it out. If he does, in the Keystone State, I think he'll be reelected. I think Ohio will go for Trump as well. Florida also, I believe, will go for Trump. I think the Carolinas will stay uh, red states. Uh, but the, the key now and the, and the imperative, the moral, political, practical uh, imperative is to get the word out about what exactly Hunter Biden did in his father's name. And, uh, I, you know, I, and another mystery I have is if the FBI has signed this computer out these money, many months ago, who's been checking out this information in the FBI? Or did they bury it? Did they let Strzok take it home to look at with Lisa Page? I mean, uh, <laughs> what, what has, have they done? What has the DOJ done with this information? Why have we only now 
learned of it, Brian. It seems to me, uh, I hope it's not a day late and a dollar short, Brian. I too, but I mean, for the president said, listen, this uh, Tony Bobolinsky goes, you want to come out to the debate? He goes, yeah, I'll have a press conference. He does. Today he goes to see Ron Johnson. And what happens is I think a lot of the beat reporters do ask the questions. Not all of them. Remember, the Joe Biden snapped at a CBS reporter that asked that question. And a CBS local reporter it was. Good point. But he said, you always ask that. And I'm sure he doesn't. But remember, he likes to tell people that ask some challenging questions, don't vote for me. And that was so long ago. But now we're going to see that if he get, has to get out and earn this, if he hears the polls are closing so he's got to go out again, I'd be very curious to see how this is played. Now, Senator Lindsey Graham has been friends with the Bidens and is shocked, I, I, I know, on a good source, that this, this is taking place. He said this yesterday with Sean, Cut 48. Hunter Biden monetized the vice president's vice presidency. Hunter Biden's business partner is not a Russian plant. Uh, There is no reason to believe that Hunter Biden's business partner made this up. He's got the evidence. Will the media look at it? I don't know. And that's where we stand. But a lot of these Senate races, too. Well, I think that he'll do okay. I think that uh, I think people will go back to their homes in the next week or so if they haven't voted already, which is a big key because almost 50 million people have already voted of the 160 million that hopefully will vote. Uh, But this is very frustrating. It's like shouting in the wind on on my sailboat uh, and and no one can hear you. Uh, It is, you know, so late in the game. I wish that it was the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, incident that could have been probed with professionals forensically going through and checking out and cross-checking and bank accounts and payments made and so forth, following the money. But that takes time. I, I believe that ultimately we will learn the truth. But it won't be yet. In some ways, this reminds me of the Watergate burglaries in 1972. Uh, the Nixon uh, campaign was cruising toward re-election. Uh, the, this, this came up. Uh, the Watergate came up. Uh, but it was too late to affect the 72 election. This may be that also. A big deal, really a, a black mark on the, on the Biden candidacy, but too late in the game to alter the election, Brian. So, I, I think that that's the issue. Well, we'll see. It, it adds to him. Remember, he said, look at us. Decide who you want to trust to lead us. Well, the guy that got caught plagiarizing, the guy that lied about his rank in class, the guy, uh, the guy that uh, blew up in 2008. But I want you to hear Tony uh, Kobolinski. He came out yesterday, and this is probably one of the most damning things he said. And this is the business partner of Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, and Joe Biden. Cut 43. I've heard Joe Biden say that he's never discussed business with Hunter. That is false. I have firsthand knowledge about this because I directly dealt with the Biden family, including Joe Biden. Oops. Are we going to believe him? Well, let's see what proof he has. I mean, the question is, if, I, I always said, I mean, always, in the week this story has been a courant, I said, there's only two questions at this preliminary stage. Is this really Hunter Biden's computer? Are these texts and emails unaltered? Are they legit? If, those, if the answer to those two questions are yes, then I think the president really has an issue that he should flog every day, all day, raise all the money he needs to get to get this message out, make it simple, 
Is character the issue? Joe Biden looks at the camera and he says, character is the issue. Well, if that is so, then how good character do you explain this obvious rot in, in your family and in your business life, perhaps, following the money? Where did the money go? Did it be a, a, is it a fence in somebody's house? Is it an indoor pool? Is it, you know, blah, 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 the new car? I, I think that this, these questions now have to be pursued by the Department of Justice, the FBI, and reporters helping and getting information and leaking it and so forth. But in 11 days, that's not practical. I just hope that people become open-minded or more open-minded or go back to where they were uh, prior to, uh, you know, all of the slanders against President Trump. And, uh, you know, but it's going to be uh, it's, it's late, Brian. It's late. Going back to that. I know. Is there uh, enough time? I think there is. Uh, listen, Geraldo, we'll talk to you along the way. Thanks so much. OK, buddy. Thank you. Uh, go vote. Meanwhile, we're going to have calls when we come back. one 408 You listen to Brian Kilmeade Show. Governor Christie, bottom of the hour. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Doug is listening to WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Doug, what would you think last night? I thought President Trump did an awesome job. I thought that the end of it, when Biden said he was going to get rid of the oil industry, slam dunk for President Trump, I think there's a lot more that's not being mentioned, even though I'm in a swing state. A lot of industries in this country are going to be affected by Biden's policies, future policies. Hopefully they don't happen. Uh, I just think that he really stepped in it big time. Yeah, and he seemed proud to do it. And, and the president was so smart to listen and make him underline it. Doug, thank you. Well, Nick in Oklahoma. Nick. Hey, what's going on, Brian? Uh, what did you think last job? night? Well, the back end of the debate is what I caught. But I think Trump went ahead and played his hand pretty well. And, you know, Biden stuttering and stammering all over the place. But, you know, Trump said it best. He's an outsider that came into the political arena. And basically, you know, he's breaking up the political machine and how they used to do stuff. And Biden wants to stay in that. He wants to continue to, you know, do the promise and not deliver game. And that's basically what Trump is doing. And I agree totally with, you know, your summation of the whole debate that Trump did a great job. Biden's got a lot to answer for. And and he's going to make him work for it. He's got to go out and campaign. And that's when the wheels come off. It's like having a team that's known for controlling the ball, but they suddenly have to pass when they find themselves behind. That's what's going to be. Chris Christie next. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You keep talking about all these things you're going to do and you're going to do this. 
But you were there just a short time ago, and you guys did nothing. We did. You know, Joe, I, I ran because of you. I ran because of Barack Obama, because you did a poor job. If I thought you did a good job, I would have never run. Uh -huh. I would have never run. <laughs> I ran because of you. I'm looking at you now. You're a politician. I ran because of you. And that was uh, President Trump really in control, where he was hot. He could have said the best thing in the world, but people just were upset about his demeanor. And they were both rude to each other. What about this time? Governor Chris Christie has helped the president before getting ready for debates, knows him as well as anybody in politics, and joins us now. Chris, welcome back, Governor. Happy to be back, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, first, before we talk about the debate, your health, how close are you to 100%? Yeah, probably about 85%. I still have some fatigue left over is the symptom that's really left, and the doctors tell me that can take a bit of a time to resolve, but I feel very fortunate, Brian. I'm, I'm much, much better than I was three weeks ago. Were you worried? Sure. Yeah. Just absolutely. when you tested positive, or were you feeling the symptoms before the test? I was feeling the symptoms before the test. The test really confirmed something that, you know, and it came very quickly, Brian. You know, the presidential debate was on Tuesday. Um, by Friday, I started to feel symptoms. And, and on Saturday afternoon, I was in the hospital. And you put yourself in, or did you call your doctor and well, say, hey? I called my doctor, and, and we went over my history and my symptoms, and he said, we want you in the hospital right now. You know how you got it? Uh, I'm sure I got it at the White House, Brian. Um, I don't know from whom, but I'm confident I got it at the White House, and I'm confident I got it during debate prep um, because the Amy Coney Barrett event was on Saturday. I didn't start feeling symptoms until Friday, the next Friday afternoon, and my doctors are assuring me that it never takes nearly seven days for symptoms to start. So my guess is that I caught it during one of the debate prep sessions that we did um, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. Wow. So you just thought, hey, everyone's been tested. What's the big deal? I've been to the White House twice since it started, and they test you right away. You don't get anywhere unless you pass it. Did that yep. happen? Did you get your test? You sure? I was tested every day. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And, and, you know, all the people doing debate prep had been tested as well. You know, uh, Hope Hicks and uh, Bill Stepien and Kellyanne Conway and Stephen Miller. Um, yet uh, we all got it. And you, I know you wrote, and the last thing on this is, and I'm glad you're okay. And the last thing on this is, do you feel as though if you wore a mask and got tested, that would have been the key? Sure. Because for seven months, Brian, because I have asthma and had it since I was 13 years old, um, I was very sensitive about taking all the precautions. And for seven months, every time I went out of the house, I wore a mask and washed my hands frequently and kept out of big crowds. And, and I stayed healthy for seven months. And I let my guard down for four days in what I thought was a safe place. And I guess the biggest message I have for everybody who's listening is there's just no safe place. Um, outside from the virus, outside of your home. And so, you know, just be careful. Wear the mask. I know that it's a bother. No one likes to be walking around with a mask on. But I can tell you after what I've been through, it sure beats that. Absolutely, Governor. I'm glad you're 85%. Look forward to the 99% where you were, uh, especially yeah. because the Mets have a new owner and there's a reason to live again. So yes, there is. Mets fans had no reason for a long time. <laughs> Uh, Steve, Steve, is, Steve is a great guy. I've known him for years, and I think 
he's going to be a great owner of the Mets. That's just it. You just need someone that cares. The, the Bob Kraft, uh, who did what started as a fan, ended up being an owner. So, Governor, yep. what, what we just played the president kind of on his game. That's why I ran. It's actually sincere, isn't it? He actually thought he's like, I'm so much better than these guys. I can do this. And this guy especially is terrible. Is that what he's thinking? Sure. You know, the president's sitting here, you know, 11 days out from the election thinking, I can't lose to Joe Biden. I just can't. I have to do whatever I can do. And I and I think, you know, we've watched the president um, over a number of years, Brian, together. And and um, and I've known him for years before that. Um, he is at his best when his back's to the wall. I wish that this is the performance he would have given um, in the first debate. Um, but he did give it in this debate. And I still think there are plenty of people out there who haven't you know, voted yet who watched last night and they saw one guy who was very strong in control and Joe Biden, who at times just didn't seem to know why he wanted to be president, except that he's not Donald Trump. And I've always found in campaigns that that's a different, that's a very difficult argument to sell. Governor, have you talked to the president since you went to the hospital? Oh yeah. The president called me twice while I was in the hospital called me another time after I got home to check on me. And um, we spoke this past weekend uh, to talk a little bit about the debate this week. And then I spoke to him last night after the debate. So do you think that, was that your advice? Instead of interrupting, uh, let him breathe? It was our advice both times. Um, both before the first debate, before this one, was to let him talk. Because I really felt like the more Joe Biden spoke about what he wanted to do as president, the greater contrast there would be between he and what President Trump has done and wants to do. And I thought that would all endure to the president's benefit. So there's something else that that popped up last night that the president did not make that clear on, but it wasn't exactly a category. I could not believe we just went through two debates, no foreign policy. It's nuts. There's no way moderators should have that much. I don't care if it's the next coming of of, uh, Walter Cronkite. You should not have that much power to pick all the topics, especially when the three are are exactly the ones that Chris Wallace chose. It makes no sense. But having said that, why not have – when it came to the Russia situation, there is no Russia situation with this laptop that Hunter dropped off in Delaware that the FBI picked up in December that they gave receipts and signatures for. How is the media getting away with saying this is Russian misinformation? Listen – Brian, we've seen this. They're rooting. They're invested. And this is a feud. It's a blood feud. You know, the president um, has engaged in a blood feud with the media. They've engaged in it with him. And there is no question which side most of the media is on here. They are rooting for Joe Biden openly. If you watch any of your competitors, whether it's a CNN or an MSNBC, they are openly rooting for Joe Biden unabashedly. And so it should be no surprise that we spent, you know, the first 25 minutes of the debate last night on COVID. Not that it's not an important issue. It's a very important issue. But one question on North Korea, one question on China. I mean, you know, we got to keep things in perspective in terms of what's going to get to a president's desk as well. And, under, you know, remember, this is somebody, Robert Gates, who was Barack Obama's defense secretary said that Joe Biden has been wrong on every major foreign policy issue for the last 30 years. It might be nice to hear 
a little bit more about what Joe Biden thinks of foreign policy. When you have somebody like Robert Gates, been the head of the CIA, the defense secretary, deputy national security advisor for both parties, um, who says Joe Biden has gotten every major foreign policy question of the last 30 years wrong. And the fact that we didn't cover that in any depth last night is disappointing. No question. And if you see the red line, there was one president that didn't reinforce the red line if they used poisonous gas in their people. It was Barack Obama. There was one vice president who ignored General Mattis and pulled the troops out of Iraq. We got ISIS, which the president Obama called the JV team. Wrong on every issue. So separate him from President Obama or make him make him suffer the consequences of President Obama, which was a disastrous Middle East foreign policy. But what I've never seen before, Governor, is a major story ignored. I've seen minor stories ignored. I've seen minor story, major stories be fourth instead of first. But I've never seen this. Here is this uh, former Marine, former business partner of Hunter, talking about his relationship with Joe Hunter and his brother. Cut 42. I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. In fact, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. So he's going to go speak to Ron Johnson today. What changes in this story in the next 11 days? What, what would well, make George Stephanopoulos do something he didn't do at the town hall? Ask Joe Biden this. I don't know if there's anything that would make mainstream reporters now ask about this. Because um, of what I said to you before, Brian, they're very invested in a Joe Biden victory. And more important than that, they're very invested in a, in a Donald Trump defeat. Um, but, you know, listen, I thought that a lot of what came out yesterday was pretty compelling. And... You know, I think that as more of that information comes out and more people feel um, moved to come out and speak, that it would become harder and harder to ignore. But um, in this current climate, Brian, nothing nothing at this point would surprise me. Well, were you disappointed that George Stephanopoulos did not even ask him about that? I was shocked. I thought that that, was a, that, that had to be a question. I was shocked. And when they does come up, they say it's Russian using Steve Bannon and Rudy Giuliani. It's one that has nothing to do with the other. I've just never seen I mean, I, the reason why I keep saying this is because I've never seen anything like this in my life. No, listen, Brian, I think that we let's, let's just put it this way. I think the easiest way to put it is if the shoe were on the other foot and this was Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump, um, oh. this would be – the lead story on CNN and MSNBC and all the major networks. Okay. 11 days left. Game plan this out. If you're the pre- if the president says, hey, hey, Chris, I need your advice here. You know I'll do four events a day. What should be in these events? You know what the states I need to win. I know the states I need to win. What should I be emphasizing? Um, I, listen, I think that you need to emphasize the difference of how America will look under Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. Under Donald Trump, we'll continue to see lower taxes, lower regulation, economic growth, manufacturing jobs coming back to America, uh, a tough stance on China, um, and, and a continued, continued smart economic growth plan. Under Joe Biden, we're going to see $4 trillion in higher taxes. The phasing out of the oil and gas industry in this country, 
um, and the economic distress that will come from that. Uh, and wild investments like they made in the Obama administration into renewable energy companies that will go bankrupt. Um, you know, two very different Americas. You want an America where your children are going to be able to get jobs and support their families? Or do you want an America where every person is going to become dependent on the government? Do you yeah. want an America where you get to pick your doctor? Or do you want an America where the government rations your health care? So I want you to hear the, the president did this brilliantly. When he heard something, you will respond. In our business, when you listen to people, if you listen to their answers, you get your next question. And he listened for Joe Biden, who said, basically, I'm looking to get rid of oil and gas. Cut 16. Would you close down the oil industry? By the way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. It is a big statement. That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh. I see. Here's the deal. But That's you can't a big do statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. What, what does that say to the millions in this in that industry, whether you get whether you make plastics or whether you fuel your cars or you drill for a living? If if you're a resident of the state of Pennsylvania, the state of Ohio, the state of Texas, where the oil and gas industries are huge employers and a huge supporters of the, the quality of life in those states. Um, if you vote for Joe Biden after that, um, then you have no concern for your own economic future and the economic future of the country. I said on ABC last night after the debate that that was the single biggest moment of the debate and that if I were the president's campaign, I would just cut that piece of the debate and run ads in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Texas over and over and over again with that cut. Because I believe that by Joe Biden, by telling the truth last night, because that's what he's going to do, he also said no carbon emissions by 2025. Brian, that's five years from now. Yep. I mean, it's absurd. It's <laughs> not only bad, bad economics and bad policy. It's not achievable. And yet Joe Biden said that last night, and the president should make him eat it right. every day for the next 11 days. And Governor, as usual, I have 25 more questions in only a very little time. But um, can you do you think the Trump team can get their act together, stop with their rivalries, get on the same page for the next 11 days and, and get behind their 74-year-old who seems to be a one-man army? Uh, I hope so, uh, Brian. And I believe, listen— um, I know the president's campaign manager very well. He ran both of my campaigns for governor. He is an extraordinarily skilled guy um, who will make sure that all of the trains run on time between now and Election Day and that they have a great turnout plan um, for for here to the Election Day. Um, so I believe that Bill Steffi will provide the type of leadership that needs to be provided um, to be able to do that. And I hope everybody else continues you know, to follow his lead and follow the president's lead. I think if they do that, um, they're going to do quite well. Uh, I, people always ask me every day, who do you think is going to win? I always say, I don't know yet. I don't know what's going to happen yet. If I ask you now, who do you think is going to win? What do you say? I think it's wide open, uh, Brian. I think, And I think because of the crazy way that we're voting in this country this year, we're probably not going to know for at least a week or more after Election Day. Wow. Governor Chris Christie, we're going to keep this tape. Thanks so much. So glad you're okay. Appreciate your loyalty to the show. Hey, Brian, always. And uh, listen, we got 11 days to go. 
Um, let's get back together again between now and Election Day and see what more we know and understand. Absolutely. And I went from 80. I want 95 percent next week. OK, you got it. I'm going to work on it this weekend. <laughs> All right. Great. Governor Chris Christie. Thank you, Brian. you got it, sir. Back in a moment. Honest commentary. Unique opinions. No agenda. It's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. So today, uh, Mr. Bobolinsky is actually sitting down with Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committees and Senate Finance Committee uh, uh, to tell them their story and provide any cell phone access and any text messages about his relationship, business relationship with Hunter, as it relates to the Biden family that includes Joe. He's met with Joe, talked business with him, but they said, and you see this in the text transmission, don't ever bring him up. And they said, I know. And they said, I'm just being a little paranoid. Really? Ray, listen on WOKV in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Ray. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Hey, what would you think of the debate? Well, man, um, I thought it was great, man. I liked how uh, Donald uh, kept his control this time, um, stuck to his points, um, and just let, let Joe make the mistakes that he needed to make. Uh, on the back end of it, you know, with Joe saying that he's going to shut down, you know, the oil industries, um, man, we've had so much of a economical hit when it comes to the coronavirus so many jobs will be affected when it comes to the oil fields out there the tanker drivers the processing plants the plastic plants um just so many more jobs will be taken from americans um with with the economic hit that we already have um you know coming from you know the coronavirus like um that's not somebody that we need running this country how much more do we got to take yeah i mean the oil industry i never thought about it but since we're not flying you know, we're not driving as much. The whole the world was shut down. You had a bunch of tankers in the middle of the ocean waiting for a waiting for an address, a port to go in. And that helps everybody from the receptionist work in the oil industry all the way down to people pumping gas into their car. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. we got an exciting hour coming your way. Will Kane's got to be joining us. We'll be able to take your calls. I can only mad- uh, imagine how frustrating it must be to care so much about this election and have the debates happen. Go to Ben and say, I have so much to say. That's why I want to leave room uh, for you to talk, for you to call. Uh, Will Kane just come fresh off Fox and Friends, where he's promoting his weekend show from 6 to 10 Saturday and 6 to 10 Sunday. Before we get to Will, take your calls and talk about the debate and put it all in perspective as the president has three events, maybe four events today. Let's, and by the way, a virtual event for Joe Biden. He doesn't, he's not leaving Delaware today. I cannot believe it. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, 
Big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. Wow, Tony uh, Bobolinsky, he's from Nashville, was in Nashville yesterday with three cell phones, one speech, and let a bomb drop. But how many people heard it? Hunter, the heat is turning up on your, from your former partner. 37-year-old former Marine comes out with facts, uh, emails, text messages linking Hunter, Joe's brother, and the big guy, Joe. What we now know and why so many media outlets in a baffling display of, I think, irresponsibility, skip the presser that might just take the Bidens down. Number two. Let Biden hang himself with his own liberal, typical politician words. And that's what the president did very artfully tonight. Ari Fleischer weighing in, analyzing the Belmont bash. Who scored? Who didn't? And where do they go from here? Number one. I'm the least racist person in this room. Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. Abraham Lincoln. Where did that come in? I mean, you said you're Abraham that, Lincoln. No, no, where did that? No, no. You said, I said not since Abraham Lincoln. 11 days until D-Day. Last night was the last debate. We learned a lot. The moderator was good. The topics were terrible. And the performances were strong. Trump was better. And I think he's got momentum now to close that gap. We'll review the highlights. Will, a lot going over, but isn't it crazy in that I'm so glad Eric puts this together. Uh, or did you do it, Allison? Eric did it, right? So to put the follow-up on the Lincoln, the Lincoln problem was because he's trying to put him down. What if, we, what if you're trying to put somebody down and they don't even get it? So he was like, hey, Abraham Lincoln, here. what are you talking about? I'm not Abraham Lincoln. So I thought it was a genius. It's always confusing, those back and forth with President Trump, yet somehow— Brian, and I do say this in all objectivity, somehow he comes out the winner in every one of those messy exchanges. <laughs> I know. He's like Abraham Lincoln. Uh, so a couple of things. Uh, Joe admits to getting rid of oil. That's pretty big. Uh, the president was strong on climate change. That was the surprise. Biden using New York as an example of the right way to do things. Have you been to New York? We're in New York. The whole place has been hollowed out. At what cost did we bend the curve? The place is not coming back. We started this in March or February. It is now October. I mean, forget it. The prices on uh, commercial and 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 and, uh, and residential homes, apartments through the floor. There's no restaurants around. Brian, we've been talking about Hotels. this since the first debate. You and I got a chance to talk to the president on Tuesday about this. By changing his style, by interrupting Joe Biden less, by allowing Joe Biden to talk and lay out his policies. The president comes out a winner. Joe Biden said several things, many of which you're laying out just now, that affect Americans' everyday lives. If you say you're going to phase out the oil industry, if you are all over the place on fracking, what do you think is happening to votes right now in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Texas, in Oklahoma? Those are issues that affect people's lives, their pocketbooks. This is an, as they say, kitchen table issue. On top of that, I think one of the biggest motivating factors in this election is COVID shutdowns. I think it is without a doubt one of the things that makes people mad while simultaneously taking coronavirus seriously, yet understanding their lives have been upended. And Joe Biden, in essence, embraced the concepts of shutdowns, as you pointed out, held up New York as an example, while President Trump said, that's not what I want. That's a huge issue. It is. And here's the president talking about what his approach is and maybe not be popular, but it's you got to live with this. You know, it's not going away. It's not our fault. You have to live with it. Cut seven. Then he gets out of the hospital and he talks about where this is. Oh, don't worry. It's all going to be over soon. Come on. 
There's not another serious scientist in the world who thinks it's going to be over soon. President Trump, your reaction? I say over soon. I say we're learning to live with it. We have no choice. We can't lock ourselves up in a basement like Joe does. He has the, <laughs> he has the ability to lock himself up. I don't know. He's obviously made a lot of money someplace. But he has this thing about living in a basement. People can't do that. It's true, though. You know, a lot of people can. I, I need to work. If you're a, a police officer, you will go to work. You t- talk to all these cops. You're a firefighter. You're a teacher. You are a maintenance worker. You have some type of sanitation job. You got to go to work. So how do you live with it? Well, listen to the scientists. You got to wear a mask. Keep your distance. Wash your hands. Okay, that's the same thing they've been saying for eight months. Can I go out now? Yeah. Good luck. We got the rules. Let us live with it while the scientists come up with a vaccine or a therapeutic. Here's how I assess the wins and losses on the coronavirus issue in the debate and in this election. President Trump is going to take a loss on simply the existence of the coronavirus. Did he handle it perfectly? No. I don't think anybody thinks that he did, especially with mixed messaging all throughout the way on the way we should be responding to coronavirus. I think it's very fair to point out who did get it right. Not Governor Cuomo, not Anthony Fauci, not Europe. Who got coronavirus exactly right? So I think there should be some forgiveness for the way this was handled in the early months. But it happened on his watch, and therefore, just like a bad economy for any president, you're going to take the L on that. But then on the other side, Brian, is, well, what do you plan to do going forward? And this is where President Trump, in my estimation, gets the W, and Joe Biden takes the L. Because you can't live in a society that, by imagery or by policy— sits in the basement. You pointed out so many people think we're trying to accomplish some kind of zero transmission rate. This is largely parroted by people who have white-collar jobs that can work from their couches at home on Zoom calls. You point out all the people in this society, in this economy, that have to get out there on a day-to-day basis. Restaurateurs, cops, firemen, as you pointed out. People that have to interact. What more? Just risk-tolerant people out there in America that want to get on with their lives. If Joe Biden wants to take his life that he's living in the basement and impose that upon the rest of our society, I can't tell you how big an L that will be for the Democratic Party. There's two things that came out with common themes, different topics. Uh, Joe Biden said, yeah, I'm pretty, he's kind of indicating I have a mass mandate. I was pretty much indicating that he was going to have certain national rules for schools, national rules for restaurants. Uh, not really. I don't really don't think that works in America. Idaho, dramatically different from Colorado. And we thought that was built into the Constitution. We thought that was built into our psyche and people that took social studies in a certain grade. But he wants to build it nationally. I want to have a national program. I want national rules. I don't know if that works. New Jersey now, a lot different from New Jersey in March. Uh, Florida came back, some say too early. They, bought, they batted the hatches down. Now it opened up again. If it goes high, they're going to go low. Now, one of the questions that the moderator brought up was Boston. Today we got word that Boston's closing up at schools. Okay. And then they're going to clean out and they're going to open them up again. That's called living with it. They responsibly closed up, had some positive tests. My school opened up. Everyone went two or three days a week. They rotated. And then as of Monday, they feel as though they got it down to the point where they're going five days a week. The other day I get a text message the junior high school uh, that only has ninth grade in it, two positive tests, stay home for a week. Okay. It's called living with it. Right. That's the plan. But Long Island should not tell Los Angeles what to do. Why does that? Why is that hard to understand? This idea, Biden likes to use the term comprehensive plan. He also talks about, as you mentioned, a mask mandate, a national mask mandate. A, that's unconstitutional. B, that's unenforceable. But I think everybody knows that. So what has masks and shutdowns become? Let's first say what they should be. 
wise decisions that human beings should make when they walk into indoor circumstances that are crowded with people. Masks obviously can help you in protecting from the coronavirus. But let's be real about what Joe Biden's doing with the mask issue. What most people on the streets are doing with the mask issue. When I walk up and down the street, Brian, and I see somebody go, mask, 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 or whatever it is, are they really worried about their health? No, man. It's become the latest example of virtue signaling. Again, not dismissing the importance of masks in certain situations. You should embrace them in those situations. But are you seriously going to tell me that at this point, shutdowns, masks, follow, quote unquote, the scientist isn't just another political virtue signal. It's a way to differentiate us from them. It's a way for those who do those things to cloak themselves in moral superiority that is unearned and is not backed up by science. They just use it to lord over you that they are smarter, better, and more moral. That's all it is at this point. Which is in New York something imbued in the culture. They're always looking in their smug way to look down on you. Uh, by the way, you probably don't wear want to, want to wear a big fox patch to the next Upper West Side party you're invited to, which would be, a, according to reports, a cold day in hell when we're <laughs> ever invited. But I'm looking for a second source on that. So here's one thing that I thought Donald Trump used great skill in getting – and that is getting the climate change issue to go his direction by just fleshing out what Joe Biden will do. Cut 17. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the, to the gas, excuse me, to, the, to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and that's maybe the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically what he's saying question, is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that, Texas? Will you okay. remember that, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice President Biden, let me give you 10 seconds to respond. And, then I- and his response was, yeah, I'm going to do that. That makes AOC happy. That makes a lot of maybe uh, 21-year-old uh, college juniors happy. But in terms of the industry and practicality, their parents that might work in that business, what do you think it does, Will Kane? I think there's three things to take out of that cut you just played. Um, not all of them does everybody want to hear. First, in the second half of that debate, Joe Biden's energy certainly flagged. Anybody watching it could have seen it. He got tired. He stumbled around a little more. And the presidency takes a ton of energy. Four years, sun up to sundown. We saw Joe Biden last night honestly flag during the second half of that debate. Number two, I did think the moderation was good. It was, it was the best debate so far we've had. We've only had two. But I thought the moderation was much better. But you heard there Kristen Welker interrupting the president, and that did happen a lot in that debate. And it seemed to be— times. Is that you've already tallied it? Yeah. And what was the number for Biden? Do we 20, know that number? Uh, yeah, I do. It, uh, to 22. 111 to 22. That certainly came through. She was much more willing to interrupt the president than she was Joe Biden. That's okay. I mean, I think everybody on the right is used to a you know, tilted playing field has come to be their expectation. And I actually think the president came out fine. But I do think we have to acknowledge that was the case again last night. Finally, on the substantive issue you asked about, that is going to lose votes in Pennsylvania. That's going to lose votes in Ohio. I don't think Texas is a swing state, but I think it would lose votes in Texas. And it's just economic ignorance. Yesterday I had... Um, my youngest son in my car with me on the way to soccer practice, and he was talking about this. He's learning about energy and practice. He's only nine. But I was explaining to him, do you know how much comes from oil and gas? Because whether we like it or not, in school right now, we should everyone know, they're teaching them essentially that it's bad. Yeah. Here's all of the problems. But do you know the good things about it as well? Everything from the plastic fork you use to this car running to the electricity fueling our homes is built on the backs of oil and gas. You want to phase that out? Awesome. Are we going to light our homes with solar? Are we going to drive our cars with electric? 
Electric, by the way, created off of what? Not oil and gas? It's just completely... You used college junior. I would dial it back even lower. It is childish to assume we're going to phase out oil and gas. And by the way, he, I can't believe Joe Biden was doesn't understand that the solar industry and wind industry are heavily subsidized. We're forcing them to the forefront. They say for the good of the good of the planet. Right. And what's also important to point out is Biden wins. We go back to the Paris Accord. Why does that matter? Are you comfortable working to give tax dollars to an organization that's going to give it to another country to to come come into compliance? Maybe a third world country. Country on these universal, uh, universal environmental plans that China and Russia, you know, are going to ignore. Bringing up other countries, I just want to say this. I saw you tweeting this last night, and you brought it up with me this morning on Fox and Friends. It is a real shame that foreign policy was not brought up. And here's why I think it's a shame. It is more often than not the issue that defines a presidency, unexpected occurrences across the globe. And we have seen President Trump embrace a very different foreign policy that over the last couple of decades, right or left, Republican or Democrat, they have embraced interventionist foreign policy. President Trump has tried something new. We ought to know what the next four years will look like. Because we have something to compare to. That's uh, right. Because that's Joe Biden's last eight years. Either run from Obama or just say, I'm with him on that. And if you're going to separate him, you're also going to take a risk there because some people are only voting for you is because they think Obama and you have the North same policy. North Korea, China. Iran, Russia, if we get out of the next four years without one of those countries becoming a foreign policy issue for us, it would be amazing. It would be stunning. Uh, Listen, we're going to come back. I want to talk to you about the laptop in Delaware. Uh, Will Kane here. He's going to be on this weekend, 6 to 10, Saturday and Sunday. I'm talking in the morning. Back in a moment. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in writing, but only face-to-face. In fact, I was advised by Gillian and Walker that Hunter and Jim Biden were paranoid about keeping Joe Biden's involvement secret. Uh, Joe Biden involved in international business, but nothing in writing, but just references to him. I think that's a pretty big deal. Will Kane calls to Fox and Friends. You're going to listen to him to it tomorrow, 6 to 10. Uh, Will, no one's covering this. Outside the New York Post, whose account's still frozen on Twitter, uh, us, Washington Examiner a little bit, nobody's covering this. Man, it is stunning. It Ever. is willful. It is sticking your fingers in your ears and closing your eyes and saying, na, 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 to the extent that you will say something. It's only that it's Russian disinformation. The American people don't know about this story. As you point out, unless they're listening to Fox News, they do not know about this story. They might think there's some kind of Russian disinformation campaign out there, and I guess they think everybody's going crazy and doing some kind of false story. But at this point, the agenda's been laid bare because these details, many, have been now authenticated. We know what's real and what's not, and we know for a fact, Brian, this is a real story that deserves deeper dive. This is crazy that no one will cover it, and openly so. You played the NPR thing this morning on Fox and Friends that they don't think it's a real story. Everywhere you look on MSNBC last night, they're laughing about it. This is insane. 
Right. It's it's unbelievable. Now, what they want to do is they say we don't want it to be like Hillary Clinton, where we know the uh, we knew the emails were legitimate. We just don't like the fact that they were hacked. So would they regret covering that, that they were hacked? Wait a second. These weren't hacked. This was dropped off at a computer store to get fixed. When they didn't pick it up, they called the FBI. What do you want them to do? Where's the Russian element to this? This is a conclusion in search of support, a conclusion in search of evidence. The conclusion is Trump is trying to steal the election. He's cheating. He's in bed with Russia. Therefore, we will use whatever we can to arrive at that conclusion. These are the same people that last night spent, at least a good handful of them, explained to us that the word coyote was a racial epithet. I'm talking about blue check really? journalists on Twitter. We can name names. I mean, Dave Hogg, who got famous after... Um, the terrible shooting in Florida, who went on to become a political figure, Jamel Hill, that used to be at ESPN. They said there was something racial about that? Because they didn't know that the term coyote was a legit term to reference smugglers. One that, by the way, has been used by people on the Mexican side of the border to refer to smugglers. Smugglers themselves, and dating back to the 1920s, the term coyote is a technical term in reference to smugglers. But because they can only beat one drum over and over... If that's racist, that's what they came away from it with. And I will leave you with this. Uh, Will Kane gets ready. No one brings it up, but the wall, 370 miles of the wall built. Promises, uh, promise made and kept, but no one talks about it. We'll see you this weekend. All right, man, thanks. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, first of all, I'm jealous. <laughs> I would have liked to have <laughs> been able to moderate that debate and to get uh, a real exchange of views instead of uh, uh, hundreds of interruptions. Uh, I thought it was a good debate, a good substantive debate, two very competing uh, visions for the country. That was uh, Chris Wallace says, yeah, it was a little bit of debate because I think uh, because at both sides got blowback from the first debate. You know, people think that Donald Trump did bad. Uh, Joe Biden was out of control. You clown, shut up. What is it? So he was saying things that were totally inappropriate for an adult, let alone somebody who wants to be president. And Donald Trump was extremely aggressive. He's been thinking about this battle for the longest time. And keep in mind, too, on some level. His knowledge that the Bidens were up to no good in his mind, certainly Hunter in Ukraine, and he was getting impeached for it, really aided the president, too, which took up the last five months right after taking up the first two and a half years on the Mueller report. So uh, that was Chris Wallace last night. But the people of both candidates really benefited the country yesterday. Uh, But I don't think as much as the moderator was better, what bothered me most is no foreign policy. What bothered me most, no headline of the economy. And just, Mr. President, here's your tax plan. It's given us this much debt, but gave us this much growth. Joe Biden, here's your tax plan. Plan. This is what the Wall Street Journal is saying about it. And if the others aren't ready to cross-examine, on them. But instead, they had to force in foreign policy, force in national security, force in this Russia story. And I resent it because they should not be given the moderators that much power. And you heard Frank Farenkopf with us on Monday, I think, or Tuesday. He's revisiting that. And I even said to him, do you realize that most of those topics Chris Wallace just did? He said, yeah, we got to work on that. Myron, uh, you're on. Myron, what's in your mind? 
Uh, thanks a lot, Brian. Uh, I thought I was the only one that heard that on the debate last night, but Chris apparently did too, uh, where he did, uh, his policy or he come out with uh, uh, saying that we're, we were going to get to zero carbon emissions by 2025. That's five years, Brian. The logistics <laughs> that are mind-boggling – uh, that would take to do that. What are we going to do with the millions and millions and millions of cars, trucks, tractor trailers, construction equipment, uh, motorcycles? What are we going to do with all that? We're going to turn the country into a giant junkyard. It can't be done. And it shouldn't be done because one of the great no. things about our country, it's our national security. Our national security is about our energy industry. That is why we don't have to be knee-deep in, in the Middle East and, and Saudi Arabia. We're doing it for diplomatic reasons and for Israeli reasons while keeping a watchful eye on Iran. And by the way, that is our hedge against Russia, too. Do you know who would love Joe Biden to be president? Saudi Arabia and Russia because they would love to dominate the oil industry again. Rick, listening on KDWN in Las Vegas. Rick. A lot of good points by your guest today, and you as well, uh, Brian, as Thank far you. as the assessment last night. Uh, a couple quick things. I think that um, <clears throat> uh, President Trump exposed Biden as a liar, and I think Biden exposed himself as unfit, uh, mainly because also what Will said, he looked fatigued the last half of it. That being said, I think it was an opportunity for the president and a wide audience to challenge the media to verify the laptop and follow the money. I know. Put them he on did the not do a good job on that. One last, one last quick point, and I think, uh, I can't remember, you played a clip, one of your guys pulled a great clip at the end when uh, the moderator said to Biden, she really didn't realize, I don't believe she did it, but the way she said, why would you do that, if you listen to the tone, it sounds like, why would you do that? It's almost like a condemnation. So when you get a chance to listen to it, see if you heard it the same way I did. Well, Rick, it was a condemnation, but you know what it's saying? You didn't have to say that. You could do it, but you didn't have to say it. Why would you say that? As if, you know, didn't we go over this? Uh, thanks, yeah. Rick. Appreciate it. So, the, so Vice President Biden challenged Donald Trump to find out where he said he was going to ban fracking. So we did. Cut 14. I am not banning fracking. Let me say that again. I am not banning fracking. No more, no new fracking. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. Okay, no subsidies. We'd work it out. Get done. He said, well, I stopped it from federal land, drilling on federal land. Believe me, the regulations are going to be so steep. Uh, it will be done. And when AOC said fracking is really bad after the first debate because he kept insisting. Now, he keeps on saying, I beat the socialist. He said uh, disparaging things about Bernie Sanders. Sanders wants to be his labor secretary, and he probably could have anything he wanted. Number two is or he's going to be in the Senate side and control the budget committee if they get the Senate. Don't tell me they're not going to have socialistic policies. Don't tell me that the public option, and you might want the public option, but don't tell me the public option is not a step closer to socialism when it comes to medicine. That is why Donald, that is why President Obama was staying away from it. Let's go out to Queens where we have Adam listening on WABC. Hey, Adam. Hey, Brian. Thanks uh, to the show for 111 to 22. That's the interruption count you gave us. I did not know. Uh, it just felt like last night Kristen Walker made it a point to give the last word each time, specifically at the end of the night to Biden. 
the problem with that is is just frustrating as a Trump uh, supporter to see that the the moderator, like a referee in hockey, letting a guy get an uh, extra punch in after the fight's over. Break it up, break it up. Okay, now there's a jab, but it's the same five minutes for everybody, right? Outside of that, what we can do is remind the voters what you taught us. What did you teach us? FYI, foster youth to independence. That's what you gave us. You gave us the First Step Act. And the First Step Act, who did that help? 90-plus percent from black and my black and Hispanic Americans, getting them out of jail for nonviolent drugs. This is what we need to tell our friends, our family, our neighbors, anyone on the fence, anyone who doesn't want to get out of their house. It's time for action, not apathy. We don't need to take guns into the street. Get out November 3rd. Vote Trump. Save this country. Save the Constitution. We can keep the, the, the – we have a republic if we can keep it. That's what Franklin said in 1787. Fight for it. Get out there. Do this. America, we need Trump. I love you, Mr. President. Just go, go, All right. go. Get- All right, Adam. He is going. Listen to his events today. Uh, I mean, he's got a huge day. Uh, by the way, early voting, we're at 50 million. He's going to be at the Villages at 4.30 today. He's going to be in Pennsylvania at 6 o'clock. At uh, 12 o'clock, uh, Mike Pence is going to be in Indianapolis. At 3 o'clock, he's going to be in Swanton, Ohio. At 4.30, he's going to be in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania. Joe Biden will have remarks at 2.30 in Wilmington. Harris holds an early vote mobilization event in Atlanta. Good luck with that. They think they won. They are convinced they won. Alex, listen on WABC in Brooklyn. Hey, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call, Brian. I think your your show was fantastic. You're very good. Well, thanks. And, I, I uh, love doing it, Alex. What's on your mind in Brooklyn? Are you in a hot zone? Have you been shut down yeah. again? Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, the, one of those stormtroopers went into to a restaurant, um, and, and uh, the guy's just... You know, he wants to exist. He, he just says, take out. And, and the guy gave him a citation. The guy says, what do you want? I didn't, you didn't see any customers in here. I'm trying to exist. And the guy said, listen, just just read the citation and that's it. And and, and he walked out. I mean, uh, it, I saw, I saw some of that. It, and by the way, they, you, they, you see that last night that Joe Biden was using New York as an example? Oh, <laughs> Do, this is, do they know how terrible this is? A dark winter, a dark winter. It's, it's going to be a dark winter for him in the basement. Yeah. That, that's uh, what it's going to be. I, I appreciate the support, Alex. Uh, I want you to hear what Carl Rove said last night. I mean, he is a genius. He understands politi- being politically savvy. He will call out Trump when he thinks he made a mistake and call out Biden when he thinks he made a mistake. But he saw that Biden left himself wide open in these last 11 days. Listen to his breakdown. Cut 31. I thought Biden created some real openings for President Trump in the next several days. He said, no one lost, your, lost their health insurance under Obamacare. I immediately got an email from a doctor in Rockford, Illinois. He said, well, my wife did, and I did, through the Illinois Medical Society. We lost our coverage. He said that Biden said, I never said super predators, and I never said I'd ban fracking. Well, we, he's on tape about a half a dozen times saying he'd ban fracking. And then more substantive issues like... Biden said, I, I'm not a so- for socialized medicine. I got a public option. Well, wait a minute. The public option is the government offering a health insurance policy that is subsidized with taxpayer dollars to make it cheaper than private health insurance. That's socialized medicine. Openings. 
And that's fact. And if the president wants to continue to do it, those his ad people better be working on that right now. And they better be cutting out, showing the challenge on the fracking, showing the public option on health care, and also bolstering what he's doing with with the law. Aaron, listening in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Aaron. Hi, good morning. Um, I just wanted to say I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania, as you noted, and I watched the debate last night, and I would love to put uh, a verbal uh, restraining order on Mr. Biden every time he mentions Scranton. It's like he mentions us up here like we are living in a, a dark coal area with outhouses. I know. And it's so not true. We live up here. We, I educate my children in private schools. I send my kids to college. I'm an educated woman living in the suburbs. And he makes us sound like we are walking backwards with our heads on backwards. Uh, it's unbelievable. He says, I grew up in Scranton. We had a, my dad lost his job. He sent us over to Delaware. And uh, he left oh. when he was 12. All right, he wants Pennsylvania. He, he got that nomination to get Pennsylvania. Is he going to get Pennsylvania? No, no. There are so many Trump signs bigger than ever around here. I live a little bit in the suburbs of Scranton, but, I mean, it's 10 minutes away. And there's a couple of streets with Biden signs, but we there's tons of Trumpers, and we are going to get it for him. Well, after that debate, I think he really gives a, a strong case to be made for those who are on the shelf. And he made a lot of people that support him feel a lot better about him. And it's going to be a lot harder to knock him out, especially when he's going to be doing four events a day. So look out. Uh, He is ready to go. And now he's got momentum. Think about where he was. Bad debate gets the coronavirus flat on his back, choppered out, choppers back, is able to finally get cleared and has been working hard ever since. Listen, when we come back, you'll find out there's more to know. And uh, right here on The Brian Kilmeade Show, one 408 And if you want any of my books, I'm able to sign and personalize them. Go to briankilmeade.com. You just click on it. It goes to my local bookstore. I sign it and send it. talk show that's real this is the brian kilmeade show we're making people persona non grata because of something they 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 do or and you know and 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 that is that is right now deemed wrong uh, or it's the hot point and a hot topic right now you can't erase someone's entire existence where the heck does some forgiveness go uh, good point. Matthew McConaughey's got a brand new book out. It was great to spend 15 minutes with him on Fox and Friends, and he's doing his tour talking about the cancel culture, especially in his business. He's the guy that could push back on it and reset everything, which, by the way, is Pierce Morgan who's over in England now. He's also wrote a book about that. Stop with the cancel culture. Enough. Let's find out if there's even more to know. More to know. This is sad. More hits to New York. Santa Claus will not be coming to Macy's this year. Santa Claus will be greeting kids at the flagship, but won't be greeting kids at the flagship New York store that might be going out of business anyway. After 160 years, Santa's been told not to show. Macy's said he'll be offering a free online experience 
on its website. I mean, come on. What do you mean you can't show? It is ridiculous. It's funny. One of the headlines is Macy's lays off Santa. Right. But um, it's but other malls around the country are making it work, right? They're making you sit six feet apart having Santa sure. in a snow globe. I mean, there's options to make it work. That's typical. That's the Biden principle. Just it's too dangerous. Stay home. It's by the way, it's dangerous. You destroy an economy. That's dangerous. It'll truly be a dark winter without Santa. No, can I, I believe that. But just in New York. Yes, in New York. Santa's coming elsewhere. Red states, you're safe. Yes. Next. <laughs> SNL to make history and have a post-presidential election show. It could be quite depressing because Alec Baldwin, Maya Rudolph, Jim Carrey uh, have all declared that they are voting for Biden and endorsed him. Lauren Michaels also brought in even bigger names this year to play Jim Carrey to play Joe Biden. Everyone thinks he's terrible. I think he's awful. Singer Adele will host Saturday's episode with musical guest H.E.R. I don't know what that is. Sadly, either do I. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure they're good. Next. AI can predict Alzheimer's. The AI model is about to predict Alzheimer's. If they just measure you seven years ahead of time, evidently you start showing some signs in speech patterns. So according to Axios, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the AI model uh, by IBM and Pfizer analyzed speech samples provided by a Framingham Heart Study and realized there are some signs that you can pick up that if you have Alzheimer's. Would you like to know? That was my question for you. Um, I wouldn't want to know that I'm going to get it at the same time. It would allow you to plan accordingly. It. Yeah, and they said also then by catching it early, um, more people can maybe enter studies and you might be able to find a cure faster knowing this. More bad news for retail. Move ahead. Gap Inc. is closing 350 stores by 2024, including Banana Republic, which is some place I feel very comfortable shopping in because it skirts, you know, it's got that dressed up casual feel, right? Which is the problem you always have in dressing. How do I dress down? I go to Dick's Sporting Goods, know exactly where to go. Brooks Brothers, know exactly where to go. It's the in-between. I mean, this is just so bad for retail, though. As part of the restructuring, Gap is also plans to close 130 of its Banana Republic stores. The announcement made at Gap investor meetings detailing a three-year plan that calls for the closing amount of about 30% of the company's Gap and uh, Banana Republic stores. Quote from the CEO, we've been overly relying on low productivity, high rent stores. It doesn't mean they're not going to be selling products. They mean, why should I employ people to ask you what kind of jeans you want? And be honest, no one buys just jeans. There's acid watch, there's stretch jeans, there's baggy ones. jeans, straight leg jeans. Uh, you sound so hip and fashionable. Holes in the jean. What do you call them? Like a holy jean. A holy jean, yes. The Pope likes those too. Yeah. Um, but they, um, they're going to be closing a lot of the stores in big malls and have more standalone locations. Which is another reason not to go to the mall. Yeah. The malls are going to be big restaurants and gyms soon. Right, and didn't they say Amazon's looking at a bunch of retail space sort of in malls now as far as distribution centers because they're well, becoming that's empty? that's boring. It's not like you can go shopping there. Well, no, you're not. it's not for you. It's so they can ship things to you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Target next. Letting shoppers reserve spots in line as part of the new COVID-19 safety measures. Uh, The measure comes as part of a new slate of safety protocols. Target added to its stores on the holiday season kickoff. Remember, Target was allowed to stay open. Target said it will continue to monitor and limit the number of guests allowed in each store. You could get lost in the Target. You never see the same person twice. Oftentimes, you lose relatives forever in that store. They're way too diverse, way too much stuff. You walk over to the left, they got Starbucks. You keep walking down, you got pool toys. Have you uh, lost relatives at Target? Yes. Gone forever. <laughs> but I will say uh, this with Target. When I go there now, everything's self-checkout. There's barely anyone to check you out. Right. Or get on your nerves. Okay. By the way, there are so many counters at Target. It's amazing there's a line at all. 
next. NASA is teasing, quote, an exciting new discovery coming. It's about the moon, and it's going to come next week. What could it be? The news will be announced at NASA at 12 o'clock in a teleconference call. Our resident space expert, Eric, is going to chime in. Eric, what do you think it is? I think it's going to be some large amount of subsurface, either liquid water or water ice. We've been looking for that for a long time. And what now we're also going to do the impossible. We know that man can walk on the moon, but can a woman? <laughs> well, <laughs> there's so many comments there. <laughs> we'll find out. Maybe she can't walk on. Will she 20... be wearing heels? <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't say that. Uh, 2024, a first woman and another man will walk on the lunar surface. We need that. We need to go back to the moon. You realize how clear the pictures could be now? I mean, we were able to see in the 60s. So we should go there for some good pictures. I would like to go there for some good Polaroids and then go right to drive-in film photomat. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.